Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. All right, with me today, we have Marty Sobo. Hey, all. Michael Babcock. Hello. And a very new face to the uh, show, we have Debbie Hazelton. Hello. We told you guys we'd be getting new faces and, and new folks here on the show. So, um, you know, I'm really excited that we have Debbie uh, with us. So, um, Debbie, how did you find out about the podcast? And uh, you want to tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I used to read uh, the name of your podcast years ago when I was reading the ACB radio schedule. So I was recording those. And, uh, and then, you know, I knew about you from the development of ACB link. And then um, Marty, I, I met in the chat of bits and then Michael Babcock uh, had gotten a phone of mine years ago. And so, you know, here we are. We're all together. And it's great how, um, you know, it's great to just be here. And then I have listened to your show. It's really great. The podcast is awesome. I've listened to the last couple of episodes. And and I've thought so highly of your work for a long time. So it's it's really great to be involved. You kind of, you kind of, saw me walking along the road and said, let's get her in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're very happy to have you uh, with us and, you know, we'll, we'll have new faces, new uh, people coming by and returning folks uh, eventually as well. Unfortunately, not the one I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, are, are missing, uh, you know, our good old uh, Mr. Earls that uh, can't be on anymore, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, I, I love that we have an episode just called goodbye Earls. <laughs> That's <laughs> because, good. That's because good. he was, you know, the comedy of, of the show and, and, uh, he always made it very interesting. And, uh, Jason, if you do hear this, don't get a big head. Um, <laughs> see, we're very, very <laughs> relaxed on this show. It's too um, late for that. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got some headlines to talk about today. It's been a very busy week or two weeks in technology since we've last had an episode. And, um, you know, it, it's Microsoft and Google have had a bunch of announcements. We've gotten, you know, new Apple gear. Um, I'm, I'm about to be doing an unboxing of a HomePod. I've waited over a day, guys, to unbox an Apple product. I don't know how that works, but I have. <laughs> So we can I'm do proud it. of you. Yeah, I know. I'm proud yeah, of me amazing. too. That's <laughs> amazing. I'm proud of me too, because that's abnormal for me. And um, so Microsoft has announced um, ChatGPT integration into Bing. Would any of you guys like to talk about that and get, or your, give your thoughts? I think that whole press release uh, the, the way it went down on Monday was like, whoa, wait, who's announcing what? And then a couple minutes later, literally not hours, but a couple minutes later, uh, you know, so Google dropped an announcement first talking about their Wednesday or uh, Google had announced their Wednesday event last week. And then Bing dropped an announcement 
talking about an event that's happening the next day. And then Google's like, well, we're doing this too. So, you know, just in case, don't forget about us over here. And it just went down pretty quickly. Um, the Bing announcement was a press release only, is my understanding. They didn't do a live event with it. But they're taking the taking the search concept and saying, you know, just ask us questions. We'll provide you answers to the questions. But what I didn't realize that they had uh, done until I was talking about this with Stephen on Double Tap is they are uh, also providing the resources for where the information was obtained. And I think that's huge in this whole generative text arena that we find ourselves in now. Well, definitely. The thing about that is, um, I believe it was the last episode we were talking about, I brought up how schools and universities were concerned because kids are going on and just getting all this information and pretty much writing all of their papers with it. And the schools were having a hard time trying to combat this. And so if they're going to be providing the resources of where the information is coming from, then that kind of puts it out in a way that they're going to have to show where they got their information from, where they got their research from, and they're not going to have to worry about trying to copyright and worry about kids just grabbing the information and throwing together something quick and uh, the universities or the schools, you know, not being able to control where the information's coming from and how the kids are getting it. Right. And I do think that there was a, uh, I thought, I thought there was an event or some kind of a, a video that was shown from Microsoft. Now, what was interesting, and apparently you have to sign up for it, and I think it might be a paid thing for the real, for the real chat GPT integration from what I've heard, but I don't know any, any details. I didn't, I did not watch the event. <laughs> so if you go to bing.com slash new N-E-W, it kept autofilling and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working and it kept autofilling to news N-E-W-S, so just be conscientious of that. But if you go to bing.com slash new, you can actually get on the wait list to get these features when they're rolled out. Ooh, one, cool. One thing uh, Bing did announce in, well, Microsoft announced, is they're also going to have the Microsoft Compose built into uh, Microsoft Edge. And for those who don't know what Microsoft Compose is, it is a way to take information and have it rewritten. Um, if you've ever used the Microsoft editor in Chrome or Edge as a add-on, the Microsoft Compose is going to be more in-depth. Right now, my workflow is go to ChatGPT, which yes, I do have ChatGPT+. I don't know if I'm going to keep it, but I do have it right now. But go to ChatGPT, uh, throw it some details and say, rewrite this email as a board report to ACB Next Generation on their website updates. And then ChatGPT rewrites the email, which is great. I copy and paste, make some edits that I need to, and then I send it. But the way my understanding of this uh, uh, Bing Compose feature in Microsoft Edge is I can do all of that within my email client, or not my email client, but the email web page. So Gmail, for example, which is my email provider. So I can write things, and then I can click a button or hopefully use a keystroke that will help me with rewriting the contents that I already put in there. There's also the uh, new feature, and I forget the name of it right now, that you, if you have a web page loaded, you can say, you know, tell me about this or ask it questions about the data that's on the web page already. So I'm thinking things like manuals and stuff. How do I, how do I reset this? Well, if you have the manual pulled up, it'll tell you how to reset it versus you having Ooh, to browse through the manual wow. to find that data. That is and exciting. That is huge. 
That now, just a, to be clear here, you know, Michael, you did say something uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Chat GPT now has a paid version, but there is also still a free version. Do you want to elaborate on that so people kind of understand what the difference there is? Michael, did you get your invite to Chat GPT Plus yet? I did not. I have not yet. <laughs> Neither has Jeff, I don't think. Neither has Demasi. Yeah, I don't think anybody I, has. That. Taylor well, has. Uh, Taylor did, and I, when I got it, I signed up 30 minutes later. Uh, so Bing, Bing uh, ChatGPT does offer a free version of their software. Uh, you do have the limitations that have been uh, found by several people. For example, you go there and it says work capacity. On the free version, you may be more likely to see that. In addition, it takes longer for the responses to be generated when you ask a question. So for $20 a month, again, I don't know if I'm going to keep it because that's that's kind of steep. Wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. But for $20 a month, you get faster responses. You don't get that message. And they say that updates will be provided to plus users before they're provided to other users. Now, I did sign up on day one when it was available, and I have yet to see any sort of updates. I think they're going to have to push some updates to Plus users uh, before that renewal time comes, or they're going to realize that that because Google and Microsoft are in this game now, what are they going to do to keep people paying them? Because, again, that's that's 240 a year. That's a lot of money. Now, so Deb, I got a question for you, actually. You being someone who's creative, you know, you're a writer, you know, you have been doing this a long time. What are your thoughts on, you know, you spend a lot of time into what you do, you know, and now someone could just drop a couple words into, you know, a browser and they get everything sort of pushed out and all pretty and right there ready to go for them. It's uh, interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on on what you think about all this. I'm still trying to decide what I think about it. I, I think <laughs> that that it's interesting and, you know, could be really fun to play with. I wonder what's behind it. Like, why? Why? And it seems like it's out there suddenly and it's so fast. It seems like it's now such a big buzzword. And I wonder what it's doing with all the information that's being fed to it. Like, is there some way that that's all going to, I don't know, be used in a certain way that we may or may not want? And and how is this going to carry over to other things that are out there like drones? You know, uh, I don't know. Are we going to be talking to them or are they going to be talking to us? You know, it's just it's just I don't know. But it might be fun to play with. I haven't yet. I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking, what would I what would I want? Would I what if somebody started doing what I do a whole lot easier or what if would I, you know, might play with it and see, Hey, write a blog post with this idea and see what it does. You know, it might be kind of fun to see. Oh yeah. And it does. You'd be shocked at what comes back with just small parameters that you give it. It's pretty impressive. And but he- I will say, Michael, you should at some point, show the voices that you created from the other day. Yeah, I think that Debbie would get a real kick out of I that. I did. I did hear those. And, and you know, um, Jason went and heard them and he said, um, well, I wonder if it really took my, you know, because you said it had been a really long morning, Michael, when you did that. And like, was it really a long morning no. or did it? So, so, so my morning started at 3 a.m. that day. That's what I meant by a really long morning. Oh. It wasn't. <laughs> That whole process to create my voice took about a minute. Okay. Yeah. 
What about the ones that you created for Tuesday morning? So the, so, so the longest process of that was the same process that it would have been. If you want to hear it, go listen to Tuesday's Unmute show. Uh, but but it's the same process that it would have been for editing any sort of voice. So yes, it took a little bit of time, but that's because I, I recorded the text-to-speech into Reaper, and then I edited it down because there was multiple voices included in that project. So it wasn't anything extra. Michael, were you going to say something? So I was just going to say that, uh, you know, and there are... You know, chat GPT is kind of the buzzword, but there's a lot of AIs out there now. There's, you know, Jasper AI that is good for writing. There's Midjourney for uh, um, for images. There's Dolly 2 for, for images. And I think it's called uh, uh, something Lumic or something. It's a logo generator. I don't ah, remember okay. exactly what it is, but there's a lot of these out there now. And uh, each one does different things, and uh, so ChatGPT is just one. I think Google's are calling it Bard or something yep. like that. And what's interesting is is that it got a detail wrong on their demo. Yes, mm. yes, they did. Uh, and and on the tweet that they sent out, uh, I don't remember the details, but Google did keep that up there. And I think it was to emphasize that, you know, we, we go back to what we talked about two weeks ago. This is all cool technology and everything is great with this, but you need to fact check. Like right. you can't just run yeah. with everything you have mm -hmm. now. So uh, real quick, and, and then I'll be done talking about it. Microsoft's other feature that summarizes the web page and you can ask it questions. Interestingly enough, reason why I couldn't remember it is called just chat. So you chat about a web page, um, and then Microsoft Compose, which is the other feature I was telling you about. Um, it, one of the examples that I read online was it will take uh, an email, and if you want to be more friendly or if you want to be more terse with it, it'll change the tone of that email, and that is what I need because I like to just throw random thoughts into an email, and and often people are like, I don't understand what you're talking about, Michael, but with this, I could give it random thoughts, and then it can compose a well-organized email. Now, um, I, I said one more thing. I got to mention this last thing because I mentioned it on yesterday's show that I was on. Um, one of the gotchas with ChatGPT and uh, therefore subsequently uh, the Compose feature with Bing is you should read the email that it writes because sometimes you'll be writing someone and it'll be introducing you to the person you've been working with for years. And the lady I, I emailed, she's like, or I talked to her after I sent an email, she goes, I, I was wondering why you were reintroducing yourself. We've worked on lots of projects together. Now, I, I am interested in how Bard is going to handle uh, from Google is going to be able to handle this. I think it would be cool. Some people think it's creepy and, and it would be, but I think it would be cool if you sign into your Gmail account with Bard, for example, and then it can analyze the last 12 years of emails that you sent and help. Oh boy, that's scary. A little bit. It's creepy, but I think there yeah. could be some huge improvements with that. When do they say, Michael, that these were going to start coming out for the general public to be able to start using these tools? Over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Wow. Mm. Wow, yep. that's fast. Very fast. Uh, I want to go and move us on because, you know, we could talk about AI for a whole other podcast because it's such a huge topic right now. But I, I kind of want to bring us to a topic that is kind of controversial, and that is Twitter. Um, you know, the blind community has been a buzz about the 
removal of not just the third-party apps, but also the API is now being turned off for free users. And one thing about that that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, when you start learning to program, you start learning to code, creating a Twitter client or creating any kind of a Twitter, you know, to get your tweets or to get, you know, to post a tweet, you know, for, you know, just for learning's sake or research, all of that's going away, guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, science used Twitter for analyzation of social pl- uh, patterns. All of that's going away this week on the 9th, which is, I guess, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Isn't it? So, uh, yeah. you know, th- it's kind of huge. And I don't know that people are really, uh, you know, thinking about that. And it's not just our corner of the world. It's, uh, everybody will be affected by this. And so what are y'all's thoughts on this? Does this uh, change your view of Twitter, like what they're doing, or is it okay that we've, we've seen this coming? I think wow. it's been coming. I mean, I think we know, you know, we've, we've been knowing for a while and Twitter just hasn't been the same. I, I don't know, maybe in some years I used to, I mean, I was really using it a lot several years ago, but I've, I've been backing away and it just seems like when I look at what has been my timeline, it's some of the same people and they're, you know, it's like some of their tweets are the same that they've been years ago. They're not really doing anything new. And so I don't think it's the buzz that it was in, in, um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens and maybe, you know, maybe going toward Mastodon is really going to keep the power with the people much more than, you know, than Twitter has been. Well, in at least the tech community, the tech community supports a lot of the third-party developers that make all of these apps. And all of the apps that they make have kind of different looks, feels, and different use cases. For example, one company may make an app that specifically works better for people who need accessibility, like maybe voiceover or something like that. And so with them just killing all of the ability for third-party developers to be able to make apps, you know, the tech community at least is kind of doing a mass exodus from uh, Twitter and going to other places, whether it's their own platform or whether it's Mastodon. Mm -hmm. A lot of these third-party developers are pivoting, sunsetting all of their Twitter apps and going directly to Mastodon. And they're all trying to, you know, get their Mastodon apps out. And the same companies are sort of doing a similar thing. You know, one that may be better for accessibility, one that may be better for something else, but they're all sort of making that pivot to Mastodon. So it's going to be interesting to see how Mastodon is going to start kind of coming up pretty quick, at least in the tech community. I don't know about the masses, but I kind of like it so far because it's uh, pretty clean and you kind of see the ground level of it still. It hasn't exploded into the absolute huge masses where it's totally out of control. So, so far I'm liking it. And there's some pretty cool apps out there to be had so far that are just getting better and better by the day. So we'll see what happens there. 
You know, I'm I'm a big fan of the app Ivory, and in fact, they just got an update. And the cool thing is, they actually did say accessibility improvements. I was very surprised. That's good because as Tweetbot, they didn't really focus much on that. I know I'm really excited about that. Um, I think that's going to be huge for you know the accessibility community. Um, I love the fact that when developers are creating their apps, that they're thinking about accessibility features, voiceover and whatever else, you know, people may need. I think that's great. And uh, it's a good thing. And I wish all the developers would do that actually. Mm -hmm. With that, do you think that uh, uh, we will see more people go to Mastodon? People stay at Twitter. I did see, and I don't know what the number is, but I did see that Twitter posted that they are, they've upped the word count for Twitter blue. So I don't know if the I don't know the amount that they've increased it to, but I just saw it was a tweet uh, uh, the other day. What I've seen is most people are either switching to Mastodon, and if you're someone who has your own, you know, site or your own blog or a community, you know, they're creating their own communities within like a discord or something like that. And they're inviting their community into their own discord and they sort of keep, you know, all of what they do within their own community. Uh, It's kind of good and bad in my opinion. I mean, it's great because you have that community all in one place. So, you know, if you are a big, you know, Mac or Apple lover, there's places for you to go. You know, a lot of these big blog news outlets, they have their own communities with a Discord mm-hmm. or whatever. The only problem with that, though, is now you got to keep track of all of these different communities and getting into them and switching around. It's not kind of one place that you get all the information. So right. I would say that's the only downfall is that, oh, wait, which one am I logging into? And what's my username and password for this one? And I just think that can get a little, uh, you know, it can get a little kind of a, what's the right. word I'm looking for? A pain in the butt, I guess, if you're yes. logging in and out of something all the time. And just knowing which community is where and how to be, how to get, you know, to that. Um, but, you know, one thing a lot of people haven't thought of is social media, like posting to Twitter when a new whatever comes out, like um, say you're on a WordPress website and uh, geez, you know, Jetpack may still work, the WordPress plugin, but all of these other social plugins as of Friday, they're not going to be posting. Wow. I actually kind of didn't think about that. Yeah, and actually, I just looked, and actually, today is the ninth, so I guess I'm not sure if they have a time limit or whatever, but sometime today. Wow. Is it midnight, maybe? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. what about the people that are doing social kind of stuff on Twitter? Are they still going to be able to? If you're using the app uh, or the official apps or the the official website, it'll still work. But, um, and, and, you know, API usage is like $100 at the base plan. It's not very affordable. Um, so if you're just using the mobile app or the website, it'll still work, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting. I, I think, though, that the thing that I do like about it is that it, it it can't be controlled from top down. Like, you know, some of these social networkings, social networks have Mastodon. been controlled. 
no, yeah, Mastodon can't be controlled mm-hmm. from the top down. Whereas, you know, I think Twitter has been and Facebook right. and Instagram and all of these, you know, they've all been controlled from the top down. So even if it's sort of, you know, unwieldy or crazy to figure out how to find everybody, I just think there's a lot of that that will gradually get more organized. And, you know, Mastodon is still in heavy development. They're still adding new features. I'm tracking a release of uh, Mastodon servers for 4.1. Um, so I'm excited about that. So I'm, I'm really all, I have three instances, so I cannot wait to get them updated to new features. I love new features. So here's a question, Michael D. So the one thing about Mastodon that's different from kind of any other social media platform is that you have your own instance or your own server, um, but they read across to other places. So I guess my question to you is, if you wanted to, could you have your own instance or server and cut yourself off from the rest of the world and just have people only on your own server? Oh, sure. See, so that's a thing that is kind of interesting that no other social media platform is allowing you to do. Um, have your own server. I don't know. You want to maybe talk about that a little bit, maybe give a little well, explainer, because I'm not sure everyone would understand what that means. Discord lets you do that as well. And there's others that will let you do that where you can do invite only that do not talk to other servers. Um, so Mastodon, basically, you can set the rules for people joining. So it could be invite only um, and or different things uh, to join a server. Um, or it could be just you. Like uh, I have techopolis.online. I let people join it. But if I wanted to just say, well, um, this is my home and nobody else's, y'all are gone. I could do that, right? I could say, all of you guys are being removed and this is just my mountain. <laughs> uh, but of course, I'm not. You're the king of that. the hill. Right. Uh, I could do that, but uh, it just depends on the instance. Right. Yeah, definitely. It's that's definitely an interesting feature uh, about Mastodon. I think you know, um, you get that kind of control. You can be out there with the masses, but at the mm-hmm. same time, you can have as much control of your instance or your server as you want and make right. it really, you know, private to your own group. You know, that way. So that's kind of a cool thing about it. Right. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on so we can get to our main topic, but. Before we do that, uh, we wanted to talk about something very special. And, um, you know, Debbie, you're new to our podcast and you have your own show. So why don't you tell everybody listening about that and how they can get uh, to hear your show and all the good details? Well, thank you. Thank you so much. So I started podcasting back in 05 and every now and then... uh, taken breaks from it, but I started a new feed sometime, I think it was last year. It's called This Time Around. And if you put my name, Debbie Hazelton, into a podcast, a podcatcher, um, it will come up. Or if you, uh, it's this dash time dash around, if you want um, how it's written. Um, I started it with the idea that in any moment, everything can be new. We can be new and possibilities can be new. So 
you know, five minutes ago, it might have been one way or five years ago, or, you know, uh, whatever, a lifetime ago, things were different. And now this time around, here's the perspective on whatever is going on. So this week's that I just put up is um, Lynn Lindbergh from couch2active.com. And Marty, I know that you interviewed her. So it's an exercise site for the blind and non-blind. It's a virtual site. And um, she's got 12 to 14 classes a week. And um, what I like is not only that it's totally accessible, which it is. I mean, the the exercises are so well described. But it's it's also that it's not based on the old no pain, no gain. It's not based on you got to keep pushing and and working so hard and pushing beyond your comfort zone. No, it's it's work. And when you start to feel uncomfortable, then stop and then come back to it after a break or after a rest or the next day or whatever. Um, Some of us have taken in uh, two to three classes a day. So it's it's really very cool. Um, and then last week, I had um, my good friend, Dr. Marilyn Volker, who's a sexologist on, and and, and um, that was on the accessibility of touch. And so this one followed in as much as to say, you know, our bodies are our own, and we have a right to take care of them. And um, that um, we we have a right to enjoy them and appreciate them and have the kind of touch that we want. So lots of other personal growth and and spiritual and relationships and things like that kind of topics and lots of other interviews coming up. So thank you so much for the opportunity to mention it. Thank you. You're very welcome. You know, I I really suggest everybody that listens to our show, go check out Debbie's. Uh, It's fantastic. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, and Michael and Marty, you guys got to keep me on this, but um, I want to give you guys an opportunity because, you know, Unmute Presents is part of the IACast network. And so what I want to do is for you guys to have an opportunity to talk about your shows. Like what what have you guys been doing since we recorded the last IACast? So what's Unmute been up to? Well, we're still doing our live shows every Tuesday in the ACB community. So those are 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Western. And if you want to find out more information about how you can access um, the ACB community, then you can go to acb.community and all the information will be there on how to get involved and get access to that. And you can find out about how to come to our show, Unmute Presents, as well as many other cool uh, happenings that go on there. We have three shows in total. So the Tuesday show gets edited down once we go off the air and that goes out within an hour or two after the show goes off the air. And uh, then we have two other shows that we do in the week, one on Thursday and one on Sunday. And Michael, do you want to talk about those a little bit? Yes, I can real quick. Um, Usually on Thursdays, we have a slightly longer form episode, except for Marty and I did not do one this week. So we used some uh, text-to-speech generated content 
uh, to host our live show this week, or well, not our live show, but our Thursday show this week. And we talked about uh, AI and the advances that AI can make for a blind person's life. Well, let me rephrase that. I talked about it, but I didn't say hardly any of the words. Just saying. You'll have to go check it out to understand. Uh, with my co-host, Bailey. And then uh, this past Sunday, we posted a how-to video or audio content. And I forget exactly what we talked about on Sunday. It's what happens when you produce all the content. And then last week, uh, myself and Demasi sat down and chatted about the state of social media. And your unmute is awesome, by the way. I've been there a couple of times on Tuesdays. And you, I mean, for the community calls, I'm amazed. You get a lot of people. I saw 60 the other day. Yeah, we had, I think it was... So close to 60, sometimes we get a little bit over 60 in Zoom, and we hit about 20-ish in Clubhouse. So altogether in that hour, we're hitting close to 80. Plus, we stream you know, through the ACB media channels. So yeah, it's a fun. It's check it out. Bring your tech questions if you have any, and uh, we'll try and get them answered for you. So if you have any questions for us, you can reach us at feedback at unmute.show. Fantastic. Um, so let's go ahead now that we're just like last time, you know, going into the later part of the hour. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about our main topic. And that is we've we've talked about this on the IA cast before, but I think uh, times are starting to change and devices are getting more plentiful. So and that's the conversation of mainstream technology like the iPhone, iPad. Uh, Mac and you know Windows computers compared to assistive technology, and the reason what gave me this idea was it's been ten years, but we now have a new Victor Reader stream. We now have the blind shell, and we also are starting to have other devices that are showing up that are built specifically uh, for blindness in mind that are using mainstream technology. Now, humanware has done this with the with their magnifiers, like the Prodigy Connect 12 has used Android, Braille Note Touch has used Android, but they're blindness-specific devices, whereas, you know, a, a, the iPhone and things like that are accessible, but they're not specific to blindness. So I think it's worth talking about, like, should people start looking at, hey, I could get one of these devices and be better off than an iPhone or an Android phone, or would I be better off still having the Android phone or the iPhone? I think it's a good discussion because times are changing. And, you know, we have companies that are building these things now for people that are blind and or people that have motor skill issues that can't do touchscreens. Um, so would anybody like to give your thoughts on, you know, this in general? Like, what's your what's your thoughts? Should a person look at more of a mainstream or a accessibility device and why or why not? I think it really depends on the person's comfort level. Um, you know, there are people who know they don't gesture well and they know that for one reason or another, they don't get into various aspects of the Android or the iPhone. And so the blind shell is just, very appealing to them. I think the downside of that, though, is what if the blind shell goes away or what if it it suddenly reaches a point where it doesn't 
get further developed and keep up with some of the times. Now, you mentioned the Victor. I have the Trek by way of um, a friend of mine who died, and I got her her um, Victor Stream Trek, um, and I hardly use it. And I'm I'm actually thinking of trying to sell it um, because I just hardly use it with my iPhone. I do everything on my phone. But I think it really depends on the person and uh, and yet there are times that certainly there are things that aren't always as accessible, you know, on the iPhone. And I thought I I have an Android. I just thought it talked too much. I really didn't. Um, I didn't take to it as much as I thought I would. I still keep thinking I might try it again with another with another one with a later model. So, yeah, but it's a mixed bag. I think it really depends on the person. I call think. Me. Oh, go ahead, oh, Michael. I was just going to say, call me before you sell that, Deb. We might, we might have to talk because I'm interested <laughs> in it. And for me, you know. I feel like this is a little bit of deja vu. So you might want to be careful with any kind of water situation here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to drop it in the toilet. Just saying. So Specialized no, no. is a, it, it has its place. Um, I work with people on a daily basis, both with the blind shell and with iPhones. And, and it's very apparent that a lot of these times, the, um, the, the, the specialized tech can be an easier interface to interact with. Sometimes that's not the case, and I'm not going to say any names, but there are some instances where that, that is not the case, and you got to you know stumble around. But I think of people who may or may not be blind, but have diabetic retinopathy, and they can't, like they physically cannot interact with a touchscreen. So mm -hmm. I think there is a place for both of those. And Jeff, apparently you're not watching us live because you're calling me, but I think there is a place <laughs> for all of the specialized technology. Now, the pricing of the specialized technology can be a little bit extreme, and I do understand why it's there. What I would ideally like, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a, a newer device from Hims that's going to be coming out. And what that device will let you do is it will let you interact with the device itself, but you can wirelessly connect it to your mobile device and control the mobile device from the Hims device that's coming out, uh, apparently, according mm. to some of the videos. So that has me intrigued because then you have the best of both worlds if yeah. that's something you want to do. And you have that physicalness. Uh, orientation on a on a flat touchscreen is not the easiest for a lot of users. That's true. I think, it, you know, when it comes to a lot of this stuff, it really comes down to who you're going to get to help you pick out the product that you're looking for. And I really feel like you need to listen to what the person's needs are. There's a lot of options out there now. You can get a small little flip phone that is accessible in the way that it speaks, but it's still a basic phone. And then you can get everything in between all the way up to any one of the Androids or iPhones. You can get something like a blind shell and other phones that are similar. But the most important thing is... Listen to what the person's needs are, what their wants are, what their capability is. Because just because you're a fan of one thing and you think, oh, you have to have, you know, the top end iPhone because it's got the most, you know, whatever it is, that may not be the 
thing that is going to be best for that particular person. Maybe that particular person just wants to be able to make a phone call and receive a phone call, or maybe send an occasional text message, and that is it. So they want something tactile, and they want something that's going to be much simpler. So there's a lot of options out there now. All these companies are building accessibility features into their devices and at every level. So mm-hmm. people have many options to choose from. So just, you know, take your time before you pick, you know, do your research and figure out what your needs are and then figure out what is going to be the best option for you. Well, you know, when the iPhone came out and we had the iPod touch, we had the iPad and all those things, I always would tell people if you can go with a mainstream option, go with that because you're going to get the more updates, you're going to get the better support, and if you need to repair it, you'll have more of the ability to repair. I think that's changing now. Uh, I'm kind of changing my view on that because uh, in some ways. Now, my view is why pay $900 for a handheld magnifier when you could get an iPad mini that can do basically the same thing and you could get uh, get it repaired or get you know it worked on, and it could do pretty much what a handheld magnifier can do, right? And you could use it for multiple things. Back in the day, it was the iPod Touch, but they don't make those anymore. But still, compare a Ruby uh, handheld to a phone. You know, it, multiple use. If you can do multiple things with a device, why carry around a big bunch of devices unless you want to? And I I think. Uh, the problem in the AT industry was don't buy that iPhone. You could get this uh, magnifier and this uh, other phone uh, or, you know, back whenever these things came out and it was discouraged. And now it's, well, we're building these magnifiers and things out of Android phones anyway. So they've kind of mainstreamed the AT industry. And I feel like uh, th- those lines are kind of blurring, but I still always say, look at your options before you make a decision, come up with an informed choice uh, before you do that, because it's still to this day, if you have to carry around, uh, you know, three devices where you could all already have just one or two in your pocket or a, a purse or a small bag, that's more appropriate than having to carry around a big 80 cell braille display just to do day to day tasks or a, um, you know, bigger magnifier just to go around school. It It's just learning the, the right tool for the right job, but also uh, figuring, can you combine those? And I think that's one thing that's interesting with the, you know, I think a lot of people were very much on, like I thought with the mainstream uh, for a while. And now it's, oh, well, we have these options again. Let's, let's use these. So what are y'all's thoughts on that, on those views? Well, my thought and something that you, I noticed you were bringing up quite a bit and people with low vision uh, need a lot is a magnifier. So if you think about a magnifier that you would go out and buy an independent standalone digital magnifier, there are a lot of money. I mean, depending on the screen size and which company that you go with, they're going to be pretty costly. I mean, you get pretty good technology, rechargeable battery, touchscreen, all of that stuff. But, for example, if you have an iPhone, 
you're going to have a magnifier on there that is going to do all the same things as a digital magnifier. You open it up and almost the screen and all the things you can do are almost identical to any one of the modern digital magnifiers. And if there's an update and they want to add new features to it, they just push the updates to the device and boom, you have all of the updated features. And if you had a standalone magnifier, you wouldn't get that. They'd say, hey, we got a new magnifier out. Come buy this one. It does this and this now. It's only another $1,000, right? But on your iPhone, they push out an update and you have all of those features and you didn't really have to do anything. So, I mean, that's a pretty cool feature. And you still get all of the other things that an iPhone would do outside of just the magnifier. However, there is some specialized places for specialized tech. If I'm trying to go through my vending facility and I just want to magnify the expiration dates on the items for, you know, when when does this candy bar expire and stuff like that. And I need to get those details. And Debbie keeps calling me because she knows that I want to buy her track. Then I'm going to get interrupted with those notifications. So you know, put it into the perspective. I, I, I see where the places are. Uh, Bard was recently added to the Blind Shell Classic too, And, you know, that's a great thing. It's one of the, the higher asked app for apps. And then even someone who asked us for Bard, and, and I remember she specifically said, you know, I really can't wait until Bard gets on the phone. She called me about a day or two later and said, you know, I'm never going to use Bard on my blind shot. And I said, why? And she said, because it's going to kill my battery. So when I need the valve to actually use my phone, I'm not going to be able to because it's it's using all of my battery. So I'm going to keep using my Victor for, for uh, Bard. So it really comes down to use case scenarios. I think that's really that interesting. That, you know, years ago when... I was first getting into the tech scene. It was in the mid 80s and I wanted everything. I think probably even into the early 2000s, whatever I heard about, I wanted it. Another toy, another gadget, I wanted it. Now, I think that myself and I think a lot of people are becoming much more maybe discriminating and saying, hmm, I don't know if I need that or that. I don't know if I want this or that. But then at some point, there's sort of a, hmm, you know, I can use my phone for this one thing, but I really do want that magnifying glass or I really do want that that extra, that iPad or, I, or somebody the other night in bits said, I have an iPhone, but I wanted the blind shell to do this other thing. And so he went and ordered that. And he's he's a pretty good uh, tech user, but he wanted that for... So, I mean, I guess it depends on what it is, but I think that people are getting, in a way, I think people are getting smarter, maybe a little more sophisticated and, and looking at things more carefully because, golly, we've spent so much on equipment over the years. And I mean, I certainly... Ooh, I still do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, but to, I mean, I like using my iPhone for everything. And at the same time, there are times where I'm thinking, hmm, I'm using my phone for this. Now, what if I want to do this other thing? So, you know, it just depends on how many, how many computers do I want to have or, or how many phones do I want to have? How many other, you know, kinds of devices. And it just, I think it comes down to particular uses of them. Right. And and the ability. Right. Well, you know, 
I think that this is a discussion we're we're going to need to come back to, uh, you know, several times this year because I think we're going to see new devices, we're going to see new discussion, you know, ways to look at this. So this will be an ongoing topic, I think, and I, rightfully so. Wouldn't you guys think? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. it'll be a never-ending topic. It's mm-hmm. technology comes out so fast, you know, mm-hmm. between hardware and software, it's changing daily, really, you know? Right. Especially these days. So, man, I, I need to figure this out myself. So with all of that being said, um, it's time for our time to wrap up. Um, oh, you know what, Debbie, we, uh, we didn't tell you uh, this is <laughs> right for the moment. Um, so uh, we'll give you some time to, to we'll know if she listens. Oh. Right. You do listen to the podcast. So this tells you this will yeah. this will be kind of your quiz to see how well you listen. Uh-oh. But to start us off, <laughs> Michael, what is your pick for this episode and where can people find you online? Um, my pick for this episode is a tool I picked up apparently six months ago yesterday. And I didn't realize it, but they reached out to me to ask, hey, how is your experience with it? And that is the Vocaster. Uh, I had to move my recording setup to be able to Uh, be a little bit more flexible. And this Vocaster is a very little device. It has two knobs on it, one for the gain for my microphone and one for my headphones. And then there's three buttons. My favorite button is the leftmost button, which is auto gain. You press it and you talk for about 10 seconds. And then your microphone, no matter what your recording environment is set up for however uh, would sound best. To the right of that is a uh, button in the middle. That is the EQ function. I punch that and it turns on some EQ for my voice to make me sound a little bit more manly than what I am. To the right of that is the mute button and that mutes your microphone. And then there's the uh, uh, quarter inch headphone monitoring jack in the front right of it. And then an XLR port in the back uh, left of the device. And then two more things that I'll mention is there is a left and right balanced audio uh, quarter inch jacks in the back that you can use. Um, And there's an auxiliary jack right above that with phantom power access too. So I can bring in my phone into the mix if I want to. And there's been some great content posted at payown.live, P-A-Y-O-W-N.live, uh, with Damasi, who went through and showed people how to set up the Vocaster for use on the Mac. And that's how you can find me, is by finding Payown, P-A-Y-O-W-N, on your favorite platform and listening to Unmute Presents. Um, oh, and I have to push it. Sorry, Michael, but I had to get one more show in there. Go look for Technically Working on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we have something coming out next week. So I'll just send that that and say it's been fun. I'm really excited about that, oh. actually. So, all right, Marty, uh, what is your pick for this episode and where can people find you online? All right. So my pick for this episode is actually, it is made by Peak Designs and it is called the Tech Pouch. And it's a small little, uh, I wouldn't say backpack, but it's a small little bag, right? Like a little zip up pouch. And it's got a bunch of pockets in there. It zips up, it's super durable. And it's for all of your little tech things, you know, your backup battery, your cables, your anything you need on the go. You could put everything in there. It's got plenty of room. It's super awesome. And the thing I like about it is I put all the things that I would need on the go in this little pouch. And then if I'm ever 
switching around backpacks, say like I'm going to be gone for the weekend and I need to take a bigger backpack. I can grab my tech pouch with all my stuff in it and just toss it in that bag. If I'm just going out for the day, I can grab a smaller backpack, take my tech pouch and just throw it in the smaller bag. So I grab that and everything I need is always in it. I don't have to worry about it. All the stuff that is in my little go pouch is always ready to go. And it was made by Peak Designs. It's super awesome. I love it. So... You can reach me at uh, feedback at unmute.show. You can email there if you want to get a hold of me. And uh, yeah. See, my my issue is my whole backpack is a tech pouch. <laughs> <laughs> that was my problem, but I kept leaving everything everywhere. And then I'm like, wait, which backpack did I put that in? You know, I have, I have this huge, uh, and I think this was one of my picks or Taylor's picks a long time ago, the Swiss Gear Ibex, I-B-E-X backpack. And it's huge, and uh, uh, it could, I, I've put a bowling ball in there, guys. Wow! And bowling I, shoes. I'm not really sure why you'd want to run around with a bowling ball in your backpack. I go bowling, <laughs> and you know, sometimes it's just easier to carry a backpack than a bowling bag. So you know, it was just very convenient. It's like, oh, huh, can I do this? Oh, wow! Yeah, I can. <laughs> so um, that's awesome. <laughs> all right, Debbie. So, um, you know, I didn't do my homework before this, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a short list. (laughs) The first thing that came to my mind is my mantis. Um, I love my mantis and that's not a little pick, but that's um, a, a 40 cell display with a QWERTY keyboard. And, um, boy, do I love that thing. Um, and that's through, um, APH or, or humanware. Um, I love my zoom pod P4. I just used it the other day and it's, it's really slick. Um, I, that's a fun way to podcast. Um, the other thing, when you're mentioning pouches, um, and things like that, I buy a lot of my, uh, some of my computers and different things from a guy named Kevin Blail, who, um, I used to see on on um, blind ads list. Now I see him on blind trading post and swap shop. And he started selling these bank bags that um, will hold different amounts of cash. And I, I don't know. It seems like I saw one of those years ago for traveler's checks. But those are really cool for um thumb drives and SD cards and maybe smaller cables. And, and he's always got those um, going on. And so I just bought a bunch of those at Christmas time and gave some of them out as gifts. Um, So that, and he is um, on the, those two different lists. And if anybody wants to write to me, I can get you those list address. And the way you can find me is, I am just the words I am written together. I am at debbiehazelton.com and Debbie's with an I E. Hazelton is H A Z E L T O N.com. All right. Thanks, Debbie. Um, okay. So I'm going to cheat this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to pick something that is 
uh, sitting, uh, I can't reach it, but it's sitting uh, a few feet away from me. It's probably good because I want to unbox it. Um, and that is the uh, new HomePod. Uh, I've gotten to hear a bunch of videos. It sounds, to me, uh, it sounds more high, like the highs in it are heavier than the base compared to the old one. I kind of like that a little more. So I'm really excited in a few minutes, probably uh, we're going to record that in about 15 to 30 minutes to just, you know, on team talk, because we're going to use the binaural headphones and we're going to record that. And, and um, uh, I, I have to get audio hijack set up to do that, but it's going to be neat recording uh, an unboxing of the, of this headset of this home pod. And it'll be pretty exciting to hear, how much is different and how much the designs change. So I'm really excited about that. So that is cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, so where people can find me, I'm Mike Doeys on Twitter in my K E D O I S E. I'm on Mastodon, Mike Doeys at techopolis.social. I'm all over the place. You can email me at Mike Doeys at um, iCloud.com. And I'm all over the place online. Just search for Mike Doeys. I'm, I'm can be found there. Uh, if I have a username that's not Mike Doeys, it's because I said something up wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, that's where you can find me online. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of the IA Cast. We'll be back within two weeks with another episode. And I want to thank everybody for being here. Michael Babcock, Debbie Hazelton, Marty Sobo. Thank you guys. Y'all have been great uh, as our panel this time. And I want to thank everybody that's listened through the podcast and through youtube and uh hope you keep coming back for more of these and it's so good to be back you know i i enjoy doing these episodes so we'll keep on a schedule for the year and we'll continue to bring you more content and new faces and returning faces and all those things so thank you again everybody and we'll see you next time Thank you for tuning in to the IA cast. We hope you enjoyed the show and found the conversation to be insightful and informative. If you have any feedback or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at feedback at IACast.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at IACast Network to stay informed about new episodes and other updates. Don't forget to check out more great podcasts on the IACast Network, IACast.net. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.